Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of idiopathic intracranial hypertension, also known as pseudotumor cerebri, found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 28-year-old woman is referred to a headache neurologist for throbbing left-sided headaches that are refractory to numerous analgesics. Her headache is associated with episodes of double vision and quote-unquote vision blurriness. She also endorses worsening headache with a cough and has experienced nausea. Her BMI is 32. Neurological exam is notable for a left-sided sixth nerve palsy, decreased visual fields, and papilledema on fundoscopy. She undergoes an MRI of the brain with MR venography, which is unremarkable. A lumbar puncture demonstrates a significant opening pressure with normal protein, glucose, and cells. She has started on acetazolamide and referred to an ophthalmologist for possible optic nerve sheath fenestration. Let's continue with an introduction to idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Clinically, it is defined as signs and symptoms consistent with increased intracranial pressure without an identifiable cause. And remember that this is a diagnosis of exclusion. Risk factors include female gender in childbearing age, obesity, oral contraceptive pills, and vitamin A. And with regards to the pathogenesis, remember that it is believed to be due to reduced cerebral spinal fluid absorption. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include headache, which is typically lateralized and pulsatile in nature, as well as nausea and vomiting, pulsatile tinnitus, and diplopia. And on exam, one will note papilledema, which is a hallmark finding, as well as a sixth nerve palsy and visual field loss. And in terms of imaging, one should obtain an MR brain with MR venography, which is indicated as the preferred initial imaging choice to exclude secondary causes of increased intracranial pressure. Specific findings will be typically normal. However, there are findings suggestive of idiopathic intracranial hypertension. These include posterior sclera flattening, vertical tortuosity of the orbital optic nerve, and perioptic subarachnoid space distension. And with regards to other studies, one should perform a lumbar puncture which is the most accurate diagnostic test for IIH. It is indicated after secondary causes of increased intracranial pressure have been excluded on neuroimaging. Specific findings would include elevated opening pressure with an otherwise normal CSF profile that would include normal protein, cells, and glucose. The specific method would be to perform it in the lateral decubitus position with the legs extended. One can also perform an ophthalmic exam which is indicated to determine the extent of optic nerve damage from the increased intracranial pressure. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about a migraine, with differentiating factors being that there will be no papilledema on fundoscopy. Also think about secondary causes of increased intracranial pressure, with the differentiating factor being that there will be the presence of a malignancy, cerebral sinus thrombosis, or other space-occupying lesions on neuroimaging. And in terms of treatment, Medical options include carbonic anhydrase inhibitors. This is indicated as the first line of treatment for idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Specific medications would include acetazolamide, which is a loop diuretic that can also be added as adjunctive therapy. The specific mechanism is that it decreases the rate of CSF production. Operative options include optic nerve sheath fenestration. This is indicated in patients who fail medical management. And lastly, Complications related to idiopathic intracranial hypertension include blindness. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to idiopathic intracranial hypertension, 
let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 19-year-old woman presents to the emergency department with three weeks of daily headaches described as throbbing and diffuse. During this time, she has also had eye pain and pulsing in both ears when bending forward. Additionally, she reports frequent, brief, quote-unquote, blacking out of her vision upon standing, an occasional double vision. She has a history of major depressive disorder and acne. Her medications include fluoxetine, an oral contraceptive, and topical benzoyl peroxide. Family history is notable for a maternal aunt with migraines. On exam, her temperature is 98.0 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.7 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 85, pulse is 72 beats per minute, and respirations are 17 breaths per minute. Her BMI is 29. During lateral gaze testing, abduction of the patient's left eye is transiently impaired. Her strength, sensation, and reflexes are normal in all four extremities. Fundoscopic exam demonstrates papilledema. A head CT is unremarkable. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Administer tissue plasminogen activator. Choice 2. Initiate sumatriptan. Choice 3. Lumbar puncture. Choice 4. Observation and reassurance. Or choice 5. Tonometry. The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Lumbar puncture. This young, obese woman on oral contraceptives with headache, pulsatile tinnitus, visual complaints, transient 6 nerve palsy, and normal neuroimaging likely has idiopathic intracranial hypertension, or IIH, and requires a lumbar puncture for diagnosis. IIH, like a brain tumor, presents with signs and symptoms of elevated intracranial pressure, such as headaches and papilledema, but no tumor or mass is seen on head imaging, giving IIH the nickname pseudotumor cerebri. Postural changes affecting pressure often impact IIH. Bending forward can worsen the headache and standing up, which decreases pressure and thus temporarily decreases brain and eye perfusion, can cause transient vision loss. Cranial nerve palsy, especially of cranial nerve 3 or 6, can occur, causing diplopia. IIH occurs most often in overweight women of childbearing age. Oral contraceptives containing estrogen vitamin A derivatives, and tetracyclines are additional risk factors. IIH is diagnosed by excluding a tumor or mass with a head CT or MRI and performing a lumbar puncture, which demonstrates elevated opening pressure. Untreated IIH damages the optic nerve and can cause gradual but permanent vision loss. Treatment involves risk factor modification, such as weight loss and cessation of offending medications, and diuretics, namely acetazolamide, in order to reduce intracranial pressure as well as serial lumbar punctures. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, TPA is the treatment for an ischemic stroke. A stroke could cause a cranial nerve palsy, but would not present with papilledema or chronic daily headaches and would be highly unusual in a young, otherwise healthy patient. Choice two, sumatriptan and other triptans is a serotonin agonist used for the acute treatment of migraines. Migraines are classically unilateral, with nausea, photophobia, and an aura, and do not cause papilledema. Choice 4. Observation and reassurance are inappropriate in this patient with papilledema, and thus elevated intracranial pressure, and suspected IIH. 
the diagnosis must be confirmed and treatment started to prevent permanent vision loss. Choice 5. Tonometry, which is intraocular pressure measurement, is used to help diagnose glaucoma, an eye disease causing sudden and painful vision loss acutely or gradual and painless vision loss chronically. Fundoscopic exam shows increased cup-to-disc ratio rather than an enlarged and blurred disc. Finally, a bullet summary. Idiopathic intracranial hypertension, also known as pseudotumor cerebri, classically presents with headache, visual changes, and papilledema, and is diagnosed with lumbar puncture showing increased opening pressure. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 32-year-old woman is referred to a neurologist for a headache. Her headaches began a few weeks ago, and she describes them as throbbing and occurring on one side of the head. She also experiences pain with eye movement. Her headaches are frequent, occur daily, and appear to worsen when she changes posture and improve when she rests and takes ibuprofen. Her headaches are accompanied by nausea, vomiting, tinnitus, and transient visual obscurations with brief sparkles of light. These visual symptoms occur a few times a week and last a few seconds. Standing from a seated position seems to trigger these visual symptoms. Medical history is significant for migraine headaches, obesity, hypertension, and breast cancer that is incomplete remission. Neurological exam is remarkable for visual field loss on confrontation and a left abducens nerve palsy. The fundoscopic exam demonstrates papilledema, and an MRI of the brain demonstrates an empty cella tersica. Which of the following is the best initial step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Acetazolamide Choice 2. Increase ibuprofen dose Choice 3. Propranolol Choice 4. Referral to a neuro-oncologist Or Choice 5. Zolmetriptan The best answer to this question is Choice 1. Acetazolamide This patient's headache visual deficits, sixth nerve palsy, MRI findings, and papilledema in the setting of being an obese female of childbearing age make idiopathic intracranial hypertension, or IIH, likely. Acetazolamide is the first-line treatment for IIH. IIH, also known as pseudotumor cerebri, is a neurologic condition where there is increased intracranial pressure with normal CSF findings and no secondary causes, such as a space-occupying lesion. Patients should be treated as soon as possible, since blindness is a morbidity of this condition. Conservative treatment involves placing the obese patient on a low-sodium weight reduction program as it alleviates symptoms in many patients. First-line pharmacologic treatment is with a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor, such as acetazolamide. It is believed that these agents decrease the production of cerebrospinal fluid. Lastly, the two main surgical interventions for IIH are optic nerve sheath fenestration, and CSF shunting. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice two, increasing the ibuprofen dose can be considered in patients with a tension type headache. However, it does not address this patient's underlying neurologic condition. Choice three, propranolol can be used as a prophylactic treatment option for patients with a migraine headache and may be beneficial in patients with comorbid hypertension. Choice four, Referral to a neuro-oncologist is not needed since there are no space-occupying lesions on MRI. Although breast cancer is known to metastasize to the brain, she is in complete remission. Choice 5. Zolmetriptan is an abortive therapeutic option for migraine headaches. However, migraine headaches do not explain her papilledema and abducens nerve palsy. Finally, a bullet summary. 
acetazolamide is the first-line pharmacologic treatment for idiopathic intracranial hypertension. That's all for this review about idiopathic intracranial hypertension, also known as pseudotumor cerebri. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.